Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. Hi, I'm Tony, I'm Coastal Reader, um, and I'm grateful. Um, Carla, thank you so much for asking me to speak today. I haven't um, spoken um, in an LA meeting in a long, long time because I have moved to Wisconsin. Um, it'll be seven years ago, which is bizarre to me, but there it is. Um, and so just really quickly to qualify, um, I came into this program at the age of 21. Um, my very first meeting uh, was the log cabin um, in West Hollywood on a Sunday night. No, that's not true. It was Wednesday. I'm sorry. That's not true. I'm thinking of the first time I met my sponsor. Um, I'm sorry. The first time was a Wednesday and it was at Temple Beth Am on La Cienega. And it was um, all set up for bingo, which um, which is pretty funny because I despise bingo. It drives me crazy. It's kind of boring to me. But um, which is a funny thing because and I'll, I have a story about that. But anyway, I walked into my very first meeting. And the reason I got there was because I called someone to speak to his roommate. And he was in this fellowship. He had lost a lot of weight. He was someone that brought his pants to meetings. He he was just kind of an, an OA. You know, what we don't have is stars or VIPs. But he, you know, was definitely on that path. And um, he kind of, you know, forcing me to come. And I finally was, because I'm a people pleaser, I went. Um, I had walked into Overeaters Anonymous after losing 75 pounds. Um, the history of me is that I came into this world at two pounds, three ounces, and spent the next 21 years trying to make up for that. Um, I, I am a sugar person. I like the sweet. Um, sour does nothing for me. But if it's sweet, uh, it's my jam. So literally. Um, and so I discovered chocolate and peanut butter at a young age um, and consumed massive, massive, massive amounts in uh, those 21 years. Um, uh, I stole food. I lied for food. I uh, manipulated people to get food. I ate food out of the garbage. I ate all the ways that it talks about in the literature. It was frozen. It was too hot. It didn't matter. Um, and again, I ate out of the garbage. And I say that for people who might have shame about that. Um, there was food in our house. It wasn't that there wasn't food, but I wanted the food that was there. I don't really, it's the sickness. Um, so yeah, so I came to Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I thought I would just kind of figure out how this worked because my mother had been in um, AA, you know, and been recovered. And she was a, another one that was kind of a well-known person in uh, that fellowship. And so I thought, well, how hard could this be? And he forced me to kind of go and I went and I, you know, I said, I'm taking my own car because I didn't want to be trapped. Um, and the very first meeting I went to, I heard someone say their absence was three meals a day and nothing in between and, and no second trip to the food bar, the buffet bar. And I thought, well, psh, I could do that. You know, that's all it is. Um, not realizing that, you know, all the other things like cake and cookie and candy and all that um, was really, you know, going to, you know, reach up and grab me by the throat. Um, I talk about specific foods. Um, some people do not. That's their story. My story is I have to name it to claim it. Um, because um, if I start saying, well, you know, there's these little round things with chocolate and a hard candy shell. No, those were M&Ms. Sorry. That's what they were. I ate three quarter pound bags at a time. 
Um, I, you know, it was like I was a food snob. It had to be the real thing. I didn't want any plain wrap generic versions. Um, and so that's what I come from. I come from eating dry brownie mix out of a box with a spoon. Um, you learn how to breathe and everything's good. You take one false move, hiccup, and there is brown smoke everywhere. And believe me, I know because I've done it. Um, I baked cookie pies and put them under my bed. I did all these things. So I did all of that. So I came to this room um, and at my second meeting um, at the log cabin, which was that meeting is um, I met uh, the man who is my current sponsor today. And he um, knew me better than I know myself. Um, he knew every move I was going to make before I made it. Um, and he also kind of helped me um, kind of emotional. He helped me be comfortable in my own skin about my sexuality. And for those of you who know, I don't really talk about it a lot. Um, it's just not something that I do. Um, but he made me feel comfortable and he made me feel like I could be who I was, which was different. Um, he, you know, helped me along the way with that. And um, that was just a byproduct of, of working with him. Now, I wish I could say that from that moment, I came in, the clouds parted, the birds sang, and it was miraculous and wonderful. But I wasn't quite ready at that point because I was, I, I kind of got into um, a little ego thing about this. And I realized that there was some, what I felt like power um, in Overage Anonymous. And the way to have power is that you needed to be on the Los Angeles Group Board of Directors. And then you could affect change because there were some things wrong here. Let's just put that out there. There were things wrong and I needed to fix them. And so I needed to get a year of absence. I had to step, you know, complete steps four and five. So I needed all these little things. I'm like, oh. So I had to get through that first year. I memorized all the prayers. I did all the things I was supposed to do. I, you know, kind of like was a good little sponsee, I think he would say. And then we got to the inventory part. I'm like, oh boy, this is not going to work out well for me. Um, and, uh, so I, he kept chasing me about this inventory and I kept saying, well, you know, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. He finally said, okay, we have a deadline. And he gave me a deadline. And the first time I got lost, I did, I actually got lost getting to his house. And then finally, the second time I, I got there and I pulled out this notebook piece of paper with a paragraph written on it. And he said, that's it. I said, well, you know, I'm only 21. I mean, we really don't have no, I don't really have that many people to resent actually. Um, you know, but and so then, bless his heart, he, I think that's what he said, bless your heart. And he started to iron his entire wardrobe that night and pulled my inventory out of me um, manually, <laughs> I guess is the way he would say it. And it was, it was just wrenching. It was horrible. It was like, God, all the questions. But, you know, we did it. And um, then it was like, so then we were done. And I oh, checked that off the list. And then it was like, well, I no longer need you. You're no longer necessary to me um, because now I can get on this board. And so I did get on the LA Intergroup board and I was um, on that board. And I then, you know, a little while after being on the board, I became chair of the board and I did all of that. And um, I started sponsoring myself because obviously I had the best answers. Um, and so I just kind of drifted away from him and just kind of did my own thing for the next 15 or so years until I went to that, that same log cabin meeting and I spoke and he came up to me and he said, <laughs> you need to be sponsored again. And uh, that was it. And, you know, I would say, I would hope you would say this, but I would say that I became more teachable at that point. Um, and, um, you know, more, I had more humility. Um, 
And so I know this is not my normal pitch because I usually talk a lot about other things, but um, I'm just going to go to um, the reality is, is I like what it says in the doctor's opinion. I like the effect produced by food. Um, I like when it goes in, it gives me that relief um, and I can exhale for a minute and take care of whatever I think I'm taking care of whatever problem that is at the moment. It kind of gives me that momentary calm. And then I think, okay, so now I can fix it. Instead of going to God, I'm like, okay, now that I've taken that edge off, now I can fix it. Um, and what has been slowly, painfully um, clear to me is that that is not how my life works. Because if I look back on every single thing in my life, every time I have tried to you know, get in there and manage it, um, it is just, I've hit the wall. I've hit a wall, hit a brick wall, hit a whatever kind of emotional wall I could hit. I mean, every time that I've let go and said, okay, thy will not mind be done in your time, which that's another one. I mean, your God's time, really? I mean, you know, I have limited time here, so we need to like move this along here. But again, no, that's not how it works. Um, and so um, once I started working with him again, um, we worked back through the steps. We did another inventory, which was even worse than that first one. And that was, I did it the right way, but we did it with the, the questions and, oh my God, oh, oh, oh. that was a, that was a big one. Um, we worked those steps. Um, I started to sponsor people. Um, and it's funny, God puts people in my life that are just like me. Um, and so um, I began to sponsor people and, you know, do service. Um, and I kept doing service. Um, and then I decided that the best thing to do was do a geographic and um, leave Los Angeles and move to Wisconsin because I needed a different life. I mean, you know, it was just, I, I needed something else. And I thought that this would fix it. You know, um, food didn't, you know, food wasn't going to fix it. Um, so maybe moving would fix it. I mean, I will tell you, um, you know, I don't want to say it's a regret. It's just a reality that leaving Los Angeles um, took a part of my LA recovery that I just was so golden to me. I mean, it was so, so important to go to meetings on Sunday and Saturday and, you know, the ones that I went to and see people and be seen and, you know, all those things. And now I come to New Holstein, Wisconsin, where there are three meetings of which there are four people and I have the most abstinence by far. And I have, you know, really no one to to help or look up to, to be helped by and, and get their, their recovery. So it's been a very unique experience um, living here. I will say I then did, of course, you know, all those things where I decided, okay, well, I'm here. So in order to fix it, I'll buy a house. So I bought a house and then, well, to fix it, you know, it's still not right. So I need a dog with the house. So I got a dog and now I moved here with two cats um, across the United States um, and so then after two dogs, I'm like, well, after about a year, I think they need a third dog. So then I got a third dog and then I got a third cat. So we have, now I have six animals in a house, um, and me and, um, none of it fixed it, you know, none of it fixed it. The spiritual hole was still there until, um, I talked to my sponsor and we realized that really my spiritual path is just, I mean, I'm just walking it on myself. I'm not really. Um, aligning myself with God. So this is really a different pitch for me. I'm so sorry, but this is, I guess, what I need to share. So um, that's really where I've been. And he sends me a, a mantra every day, and it always seems to be what I need. 
Um, and this morning I was reading the For Today and the um, uh, Just For Today and the Voices of Recovery. Um, and I'm just trying to do what I can do on a daily basis. Um, also, what I will tell you is that this program has been incredible in that I now know when my behavior is um, out of line with um, being in spiritual recovery. I know when I am like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, or oh, this is my part. I know it right away, which I think is such a miracle because um, I don't think people on the, you know, normal people ever really think about what their part is. They just kind of say, I say what I need to say and whatever. Now I immediately say, I'm like, mm, yeah, I need to make an apology about that. That wasn't really, that wasn't really right. Um, and so I think that's a gift. Um, abstinence wise, my absence when I first came in was what I heard that person say. It has then um, changed over time. Um, my absence, and as I write it, my sponsor told me to write it in my big book, and I will show you my little big book that is just so old and loved. Um, but my absence is, I put, dear God, my absence, no chocolate, no Pepsi, no diet or regular and no Diet Coke, and no peanut butter. Um, and, you know, so I've added things um, to it um, because they've just become to that, I've got that clarity that, you know what, we can no longer have that. Um, about, I want to say, I think it was probably 18 years in, I mentioned to my, you know, you should never mention anything to your sponsor that you don't want to bite you. So I mentioned to him, I said, you know, I have these like little cookie dough things in my freezer. And every once in a while I walk by and I open the freezer and I eat one. And now at that point, you know, that kind of stuff was, you know, was okay. And I said, and I just don't know if that's, you know, good or not. And damn him. He said, why don't you think about not doing that today? I was like, well, no. I didn't really want to, I didn't, I wasn't saying that to like give it up. I was just, you know, I was just mentioning it. It was just kind of like a, you know, FYI, but he was like, well, why don't we just try that? I'm like, oh man. And so then the next morning when I called him, he goes, well, let's just try it for another day. And then it became a week and then it became a month. And then it was like, and then it was just kind of part of my food plan and my food plan. I don't eat um, dessert kind of sugar. I just don't eat cookies, cake, candy, pie, or any of that. Now he's been kind of lovingly asking me why that just doesn't move over to the abstinence book, you know, inside of the book there, but it's just right now, this is okay. You know, so I'm sure that that will probably be the, you know, good orderly direction that comes from him pretty soon now that he's heard this, but anyway, um, so that's what my absence has been and, and my food plan. Um, also since, uh, moving to Wisconsin, I was afflicted with the shingles virus. Um, and that really took me down and I live with that pain, um, I'll probably live with it for the rest of my life. It's a daily reminder. And they've put me on heavy duty steroids to kind of keep the pain in check, which that's not, you know, that doesn't help my weight a lot either, but I just try to do the best I can. Um, in recovery, I have gone through periods where I have, um, you know, sent in my food, not sent in my food. Um, I kind of do it as I need to. Um, my daily spiritual practice, um, I'll just mention that is um, I am awoken every morning um, by a little black cat that I adopted. Um, and he has decided that my alarm is anywhere between one o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning, even though I normally get up at 445. 
Um, so he has decided that, you know, anytime between one and three is um, the time that he's, that I'm supposed to get up and he will relentlessly push all the doors closed in my bedroom, push them absolutely closed so that you have to open them by turning the handle. So he pushes them all closed. He, um, you know, lays across my throat. He headbutts me and, you know, it's until I get up. I mean, I guess that's my alarm clock. So um, I try one, you know, in between his uh, manipulations, um, I try to say my prayers. Um, I try to, you know, ask God to just guide me in all of my um, activities for the day and try to, you know, say things that are loving and kind um, and be the best spiritual representation that I can be. Um, and that's what I try to do. And it doesn't always work out that I get a set time to do like meditation. It just doesn't, I mean, that's just, my life is just kind of weird that way. So, you know, sometimes I kind of do a walking meditation with the dogs when I walk the dogs twice a day and I kind of talk to God and I listen and um, in between, you know, dogs having meltdowns with other dogs and all this other jazz. So um, that's, um, that's my, my kind of daily practice. Um, I've done a lot of service in this program. Um, as I said, I got into service for a kind of a very ego driven reason, but once I started doing service, um, I really, it was magical. I mean, it was really being able to give back to this fellowship was, that was my way. Um, and so I loved doing service. I was on the board for, I think, 19 years, not all at once, but, um, you know, on and off, um, thank you. Thank you. Um, shared countless birthday parties um, and, um, you know, had a, had a wonderful relationship with a lot of people that are on this call. We've been on the board together at various times and we've had, a, you know, I've made some really wonderful um, lasting friendships from that. So, and learned a lot, um, learned a lot about um, how the fellowship is and how it's run, even from a organizational perspective. Um, just in the last few minutes, I will tell you, you know, I, in the last four years, I, I was in education for all of my career. And then I, when I left, I came here and I was in education for a little while. And then um, I, I got out of education and the only job I could get was I was going to, I was an activity director for an assisted living. And I will tell you that that uh, was like an amazing experience. And it was also really hard um, working with people with dementia is extremely difficult and challenging. And then also, you know, getting to know people and then they pass away in there. And it, it's just, it was a lot. And uh, after, you know, throughout that four years, I really realized, you know, education is where my heart is. Um, and um, I was, I was in a deep depression over this. I just couldn't quite get out of it. I, and I kept telling my sponsor, I don't know what's going on. I, it's just, this is not the place for me, but I, I can't get out. Every time I would apply, I wouldn't get anywhere. And then the last time I applied somewhere, I got a rejection and, and God directed me, I don't know how, because it must have been God, to the Department of Public Instruction for the state of Wisconsin. Now, I don't even, I didn't even know that existed. So I don't know how I got there. And there was positions there and I applied and within a month, they had hired me and I just started last Monday. Um, and I'm so grateful because this is exactly where I wanna be again. Um, I'm gonna be helping a different population. I'll be helping high school and grade school students um, get, you know, hopefully economically disadvantaged students get into college and it's a unique experience for me, but as a state employee, you sell your soul. I mean, I can, I can't move my finger in a direction without a policy bulletin or signing a waiver or something. I can't post anything on my Facebook page. I can't drive my car a certain way. I mean, it's like, it's crazy, but with all that, I'm so grateful about it. And, you know, God led me here and um, is directing my life. I'm in a, in a daily basis. Um, you know, I, I'm so 
I keep saying the word grateful, but I'm so grateful. Carla, thank you for asking me. Um, I know it wasn't my normal kind of humorous bantery talk, but um, this was the talk I needed to give today. And so um, again, thank you for letting me share and uh, keep going back. All right, uh, this is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you asked a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question, please click the raise your hand icon. And I guess I'll have to find that here. Thank you, Tony. Can you talk about relationships and how they've changed um, with program along your years in program? Thank you. Do you mean personal or romantic? Yes. Or both? Well, either, really, okay. I guess. Okay. Um, well, personal relationships, um, you know, when I, I came into the program and I um, had only, you know, two rules for people. Number one, I'm always right. And number two, when in doubt, refer to rule number one. Um, so that was really how I kind of uh, dealt with people. Um, and so, and if you didn't agree with me, well, just go away because I really don't have any use for you. Um, I was, and so I, but, you know, coming in here, <laughs> that doesn't really go very well because really they kind of, I kind of started learning that, you know, it's my self-righteous opinion was not always the best um, opinion. That really wasn't God's opinion either. So, um, I really had to shut up and listen. I think that's probably what my sponsor first said is shut up and, you know, sit down and listen. Um, I think his sister said that to me too, actually, in a, in a, um, in a restaurant once um, that I, I was just too ego driven um, to really be able to deal with people, um, you know, appropriately. Um, I watched my mother and how she dealt with them and I kind of emulated her and I really didn't, you know, I wasn't my own person. So um, I, I was nice to people. I wasn't rude, but I was, I was very sarcastic, very sarcastic. And that's just how I was with people. Um, but the program, the inventory, the working on the board, I will tell you, because when you, when I got on the board, um, I really thought, you know, once I was chair that that was like president, you know, like I could just in, you know, affect every change I wanted and rules could be created and I didn't need anybody's, you know, whatever. And I really, you know, working on the board, I worked on every character defect I had that was like right there at the, you know, like theirs were, the other people's were there on the board and mine were on the board. And we were like, you know, so I really had to start learning how to adjust and listen to people and interact differently um, and be loving um, and, you know, kind of just um, teachable. Um, and so the board service really helped that. It really taught me a lot about leadership was then, and that's really how I went on to get my degrees. I went on to get a bachelor's, a master's and a doctorate in leadership. And it was because of doing service. So I should say that, but that's, I'm really grateful for that. But um, romantically, <laughs> oh, well, um, how to say this delicately? I lived in West Hollywood. And once my sponsor kind of pushed me out into the, the cattle there, um, I kind of worked my way through that whole, um, whole experience. Um, yeah, it was, I don't know how, I don't know how I, I don't know how I did that, but it was, it was kind of scary. And, um, I didn't, I always wanted to fall in love. That was what I wanted to do. I thought everybody that I met was going to be, 
you know, the husband of my dreams. And um, then they were, they would be too clingy. Nope, that's not the right one. Get rid of them. Or they weren't clingy enough. Nope, need to pull them in. That didn't work. So um, relationship wise, I never really had good luck. Um, and, uh, you know, now that I'm here in Wisconsin, I will tell you, you know, with six animals, there's just no, there's really not a, you know, when someone said now, do you want, you know, to be involved with something? I'm like, I have six animals. You know what? Really? I mean, I got nothing to give other than this, you know, this is really it. And I'm fine. I'm good. This is the first time in my life where I'm good. I don't want to, you know, sleep around and do all that kind of stuff. And, you know, anyway, so I don't know if that answers your question, but it has changed. It has changed. Thank you. Thank you so much. Is it Don? Don, is that Carol, is that who? Okay. That's who you have, Don. I'm sorry, uh, I have to change it so people can unmute themselves. Give me one. Oh, okay. Go Try again, Don. Sorry, I'm off the game today. Hey, Tony, so nice to see you. Um, Hi. A little bit more about how you sustain your recovery in the challenging environment where there's very few meetings and you have more abstinence than everyone else. Absolutely. Thank you for the question, Don. Good to see you. Um, you know, uh, when I first came here, there was a Friday morning meeting, which I couldn't attend. There was a Monday meeting, a, a Friday, you know, Monday, Wednesday meeting, and and that was it. And so I went to the Monday, Wednesday meetings because they were close to my house, because really the only other area to go to would be Milwaukee. And that's like an hour and a half drive. And it just didn't it just wasn't feasible um, during the week and everything. So I went to those meetings and, you know, they became my home meetings and they're pretty strong um, in relationship. I mean, like I said, I, I was the I, went, I had the longest absence, but there were people there that really had very strong recovery. So that didn't really matter. Um, and then, you know, when the pandemic hit. Um, those meetings went away. We didn't have Zoom yet. There was nothing. Um, so it was really kind of like I was back to, you know, being on my own. And I was very dangerously slipping away again, you know, where I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to have to rely on my 35 years of whatever it is. And if I need something, I'll look in the big book and, you know, text my sponsor once in a while and, you know, kind of keep my, you know, self pumped up that way. Um, so it was really challenging. And then the Zoom came back and I found, you know, these meetings, that's helped. Um, and then I, I did create um, a book study uh, meeting on a Wednesday, um, you know, close to my house. And that really went okay for a while. But um, then again, when the pandemic hit, that went away. So we've slowly started to come back with, we have a Sunday meeting, which conflicts with Serenity Sunday, which is why I can't go on to that. But it's an in-person meeting. And I just really like having some kind of in-person a meeting to go to. So right now we have two, really two meetings that are going, but again, it's really, there's four or five of us. Um, and it's, it's, I, I will say it's challenging. The recovery I get is probably the strongest recovery is from the kitchen sink meeting. And when I can go to the Tuesday night meeting, I have a Monday um, Milwaukee meeting that I zoom into. Um, and so that's really how I sustain it at this point, but it is, I, I just miss it so much. I can't tell you how much I miss it. It's just really um, very challenging, but you know, I'm doing what I can being here. So I hope that answers the question. Uh, Don't see any other hands. Nobody who wants, nobody wants. who wants to recover today. I'll ask you a question, Tony. Okay. So one of the things we learn in program is. Uh, to accept that we're powerless over others. Um, 
Can you tell me how your recovery uh, makes you a better pet parent? And isn't that a great exercise in learning that you're not in control of things? <laughs> yes, thank you, Carol. Um, I am powerless over others. And as much as I try to be powerful over others, um, as I said, I hit that, you know, that wall. Um, yeah, the the pet part of it, I will tell you, I mean, I, I mean, this, these animals, I mean, they have decided that, you know, I serve them. I mean, really the cats I serve completely. I mean, there's no question there. And, you know, I can't, I can't get this cat to sleep longer than he wants to. And it's challenging because, you know, if you get up really early in the morning and now I'm going to have to be driving a lot longer and things like that, I have to figure out how to not be sleep deprived. That's really going to be kind of crazy. Um, and I'm not going to drug him, you know, I mean, I thought about it, but I'm not going to do it. Um, so I just have to accept it. And, you know, if that means I sleep downstairs with the dogs on the couch for a little bit, and then I go up, so I get enough time. I mean, that's what I, I just have to figure it out. You know, I'm not going to give up the cat. I'm not going to give up. I'm just, I'm just going to have to deal with it. But it also, I'm powerless over people. Um, I worked, you know, as I said, I worked for these last four years in an assisted living and I had a boss that, oh my goodness, but, you know, I seem to always have a boss that, well, if they would just do it my way. Um, but this, this woman really, really was, was challenging for me, um, leadership wise. And it was just, it just wasn't a good match, um, for either of us. Um, and so I had to try to accept her with all of her flaws. And, and I would tell my sponsor, I'm like this woman, I don't know. I mean, all the other ones, they had their flaws, but they were, you know, whatever, but this woman, and he would just say, well, you know, that's, you know, you would have to go back to that's just and fill in the blank of the person's name. That's just blank. That's just who they are. They're not going to be any different. I have to change. If I want to, you know, get through this, I have to be more patient, tolerant, loving, and kind, even though I don't want to be. So I think that's how I try to run my life now is take a breath and try not to say what I really want to say, which sometimes I do. Like the last week I was there, I we were having this altercation in the middle of a staff meeting. She threw up her hands and said, go home. I'm like, okay, I'm going good. I'm out. I mean, she then asked me to come back, but I mean, so I'm not perfect. So I, I don't know if that answers your question, but. Okay. I think Cheryl was next, right? Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I'll take it. Hi, Tony. Thank you for your share. I remember being in meetings with you before you went to Wisconsin and before I fell off the wagon. Anyways, this is a very esoteric question. And so therefore, I think I'm going to read a little bit from for today, for today, which is what I'm dealing with. Um, it says, I sometimes meet people even in OA who in their eagerness to help offer suggestions that are not right for me. But I no longer need to act on questionable advice merely to avoid offending someone. I'm wondering, has that experience happened to you? And have you recovered to the point where you can refuse advice and not be a people pleaser? That's that is a good question, Cheryl. That is a good question. Um, you know, I I I think what I read in there also is that you know people try. I think I have to come from the perspective that they're they're really loving in their own ways. Now, some people just are opinionated. You know, I'm opinion. I'm an opinion. You know, I'm an opinionated person. And I like I said, I think everyone's entitled to my opinion. Um, but it's not always there what they need. And so sometimes I have to shut up and not give advice unless I'm being asked to give advice. But when people give me advice, it's like, 
I just have to kind of say, as my, my sponsor say, you know, bless your heart, you know, not out loud to them because that, but, you know, bless their heart, you know, bless your heart. You just, you're trying to, you know, help. I have, I do have a friend and she loves to tell me, well, you need to do, and you need to, and you need to, and you need to. And sometimes I can just go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then other times I'm like, you know what? I don't want to do that. Thank you so much, but that's not what I want to do. But most of the time I just go, mm-hmm, thank you very much, you know? And I just kind of let it off, you know, go because I'm not going to take, you know, 99% of that because it's just not my, it doesn't make me comfortable. It doesn't, you know, fulfill what I need to do. And it just wouldn't work for me. So I just kind of, thank you. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, they kind of get it, you know, they're like, okay, well, I guess we've got nothing else to say there. So I hope that helps. Thanks, Cheryl. I think Raj. Uh, Yeah. Hi. Uh, Hi, Raj. Hi, Tony. Um, I haven't heard you share or um, met you before, but appreciate your uh, story. So thank you for that. Um, I wanted to ask, you may have covered this, but I'm kind of drawing a blank, but uh, conscious contact with God and uh, step 11, uh, how do you maintain it? I am chronic relapser. I'm back to day one and I was binging yesterday and you know, I just feel this disconnectedness from everybody. And they say the opposite of addiction is connection. And, you know, I'm not seeking or trying to get connected to God or anybody else. And I just feel empty inside. So how do you maintain that spiritual condition? Thank you, Pastor. Thanks, Raj. Okay. So as I, yeah, I did, I, you know, I don't really have um, a morning, like a set, you know, kind of habitual morning practice where I kind of connect, I connect on a, a different level, like when I'm walking the dogs and I'm in, you know, just my nature, you know, cause I have a lot of new holes. Five minutes left for Q and A. Okay. Thanks. Um, trees and, you know, it's, it's, I have a lot of nature around me, so I'm able to kind of just inhale and exhale. Um, that's really how I try to connect. Um, my sponsor sends me a daily mantra, which that also helps me, um, you know, kind of go, Oh yeah, there's my, you know, there's what I need to, to, you know, more patience today, or God is, you know, all these messages. So that's what I kind of do. Um, and then when I'm faced with that indecision or, you know, that voice that tells me, well, you can have this, um, you know, then I have to say, well, is this what God would want me to do? Um, I always try to ask, is this what God would want me to do? You know, I know this is what I want to do, but is this what God would want me to do? Um, which is not always what I want because I want to do it in my time and not God's time. So, um, I think it's just kind of, you know, taking a breath and letting God in when I can. So I hope that answers. Uh, Beth Ann, Beth Anna's. Beth Anna's. <laughs> Hi, um, Beth, compulsive overeater. Um, grateful for your share. Um, I just love, uh, can you talk a little bit more about, you know, not persecuting yourself when you don't get along with everybody? because <laughs> um, like the expectation is that we become perfect and and um and that everyone will like me and the, the reality is obviously that's not the case so thank you okay. um yeah not everybody agrees with me they just don't it's you know i mean i have a but i have a very self-righteous um as my sponsor would tell you i have a very self-righteous way about me that everybody should and if they would just do it my way but they don't and then we have conflict so um I, I just have to 
kind of get taken down a notch by my sponsor. Usually that's really kind of what happens. Um, my ego gets a punch in the gut. And then um, I realize that, well, you know, I can continue doing it this way and be persecuted and be, you know, poor victim me. Um, or I can say, okay, well, this is their opinion. This is my opinion and kind of go through it. So I, that may not be the best answer, but that's what I got. Terrell, I think you're next. Uh, so what do you do when you feel like you're not working a good enough program? I text my sponsor and tell him that I'm not working a really good program. And um, I whine and and moan about why it's still not working. And that, and then I think he would probably say, well, that's because you're still sponsoring yourself. I think that's what he would say if he were to say that. I think that's what he would say. Um, uh, and so then I just try to get on the path again. You know, I mean, I, I, I you know, I, it's been, a, it, it's, it's a struggle. And I really think, I really think a lot of it is, you know, when I was in LA, I was, I was going to meetings. I was seeing, I was beings. I had those, you know, strong connections and it's just been a struggle to fight, to find those again. And that's how I become part of the OA pack. You know what I mean? And so, that's it's easier to fall off here and it's easier to, to to get disconnected and i guess my best answer is to keep connected to my sponsor that wonderful man that he is <laughs> all right do we have time for any more or is that it you have two minutes two minutes is this is nancy our ending one here my name is Nancy Beecham. I'm a compulsive overeater. Tony, you know I've been abstaining for 45 years and I've known you since. No, have you really? <laughs> I am shocked to hear that. I don't think I've ever heard that before. I used to be rather fat, twice the size I am now. Um, but one of the things I noticed about you, I had the joy and the privilege and honor of working under you when you were chair of the inner group and we, when you ran the birthday parties. And believe me, those birthday parties were different than I feel they are now. They were fantastic because they were all led by the traditions and the principles that you knew well. So I'm wondering about how you were able, at what point you learned that you were enough and that you would inconvenience yourself to tell people the truth. Because I know that on that board, if the traditions weren't being followed, you told us that and you really helped us and guided us with the principles. So I, I just wondered you talk a minute about the principles and the traditions and how much they've changed your life. Thank you. Well, yeah, I mean, that again, it was, I got on for a, a, a different reason. I thought I was going to, you know, do all these things. And I had my own principles that I felt were the right ones. Um, however, um, there are principles of each tradition. Um, and I had to learn those. Um, and, and that's as, okay. I'll just wrap up by saying as, as each issue or challenge came up, I had to go to the the literature, um, I had to go to people that um, I respected um, and they helped me navigate those. Um, and really I had to realize that it wasn't my will, it was God's will and God's will is in those principles. So without, I can't go any farther than that, but I'll just say that. And sorry, Nancy, we didn't get to go farther into that, but I appreciate your question. All righty, thank you everybody.